Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to feeling at home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm feeling pretty jazzed because I had planned to go on a lovely fall hike, but what I ended up catching was the first snow of the season, and it was at the perfect time of year where The trees on the lower part of the mountain were still all in their beautiful fall foliage glory. And then the ones at the top of the mountain were the black forest trees just dusted with snow. And then I got up to this lake where I went hiking and it just was the literal winter wonderland. The cutest thing in the world. And it was absolutely magical. And when I got back from that hike, I walked through town and saw that they are setting up the Christmas market. Everything is in full winter enthusiasm mode in this part of the world, and I'm into it. (laughs) This is the great part of winter where everything's fun and exciting before, like, January, February hits, and it's just dark and depressing and sad. But right now it's fun, and I'm trying to ride that wave as long as I can. (laughs) And I'm actually planning a slightly aggressive plan of attack for my Christmas market attending this year. I'm obviously going to go to the beautiful little market in Freiburg, and I'm also probably going to head over to Strasbourg for their Christmas market. So if any of you guys listening have any good Christmas market recommendations for in the Black Forest or in Eastern France or Northwestern Switzerland, let me know because I am trying to hit as many magical markets as possible. And of course, I'll let you guys know how they are once I go to them. So stay tuned on Instagram for a lot of good Christmas markety content. <laughs> Today's episode is a really cool one. I think if you remember the episode that we put out on Valentine's Day last year about long distance relationships, if you liked that one, you're going to like this one too. It is about intercultural relationships. I know so many expats who became expats because of love. <laughs> I can count myself as one of them, and I have a ton of friends who are in the same boat. So this conversation felt like just sitting down on the couch with a cup of tea and chatting with a friend. <laughs> Our guest is in an intercultural relationship herself and blogs about it at a culture apiece, and I know you guys are going to love it. So without further ado, let's hand it on over to Katie. My name is Katie Schober, and I am part of a culture, a piece of that being with my husband, Marcus. He's from Austria, and I'm from America. And I lived over in Salzburg, Austria for four years, and we go back every year. But in 2014, we moved back to my homeland. Um, I'm originally from St. Louis, but we moved back to Boston for a while. And now we are currently traveling around the country since we both have jobs where we can work from anywhere. Let's start from the beginning. So you are American and you're married to an Austrian. How did that happen? Do you want to tell us your love story? Sure. So I studied German. I've always been interested in languages since I was a little girl. I think uh, one of the first books I checked out from the library was Teach Yourself French. And the next week was Teach Yourself Spanish. So I've always had a kind of fascination with languages. And when I went to college, I decided to uh, major in German. My family is from Germany, you know, my great-great-grandfather. So I decided to kind of go down that language route. And 
Then I did four years of my bachelor's in German and wanted to keep going with it. So I decided to get my master's and I really wanted to go to grad school where I could go to Europe the first year because at that point I had I hadn't studied abroad in a German speaking country and I felt like in order to keep up with my other grad school classmates I really needed to live in Europe so that's how I found out about Bowling Green State University in Ohio and their study abroad program was with Salzburg Austria so that's how I ended up over there doing my master's but my husband and I actually did not meet that first year. So we were both in the same town, probably crossed paths multiple times, but we never met. <laughs> and then I went to finish the second year of my master's in Bowling Green, Ohio. And he was doing a study abroad in Ohio that year. So we met actually at an Oktoberfest party <laughs> in Bowling Green, Ohio. <laughs> That's so a little, crazy. A little cliche. <laughs> But what what a funny thing. Like, I mean, I've heard stories of people who, you know, they probably were at the same place at the same time, but they just didn't know it. But I've, I don't think I've ever actually heard a, a story where that was true in a situation where the people came from different countries and continents. So that's quite right. And we actually have an either even weirder coincidence. Um, I used to work for Rosetta Stone, the software foreign language teaching program. So I sold it at a mall. And when we had to be working with Rosetta Stone, we were required to be on this website, which was called Shared Talk. And the website was a way for native speakers of one language to practice speaking the language they wanted to learn with native speakers of another language. And I didn't really do a lot on the website because it was just a requirement for my work, but I did have an account. I got emails, etc. So I quit Rosetta Stone the summer before I moved to Austria for my master's. A year passed. I then went to Ohio, met my husband. And at one point during the early days of our relationship, we were talking about past jobs. And I said, oh, yeah, I used to work for Rosetta Stone. He said, were you on this website called Shared Talk? Uh-huh. He said, oh, yeah, we had to be for work. And he goes, you're Katie and you're 24 and you're from St. Louis. He goes, I'm pretty sure I wrote you an email a year ago. Oh my God. And sure enough, I still had my password from my old account. I logged back into my account. I had two emails from him from the year before we met. That's nuts. Yeah. So I never wrote him back. So he always <laughs> jokes that I, he had to come to America for me, for me to finally answer his request. <laughs> had to really hunt you down there. And in Ohio, exactly. all places. So it just worked out. He was trying to learn English and looking for German speakers. So <laughs> that's kind of how he found me through that website. But at that point, I had already uh, was thinking about quitting and moving to Austria. So I just didn't reply. <laughs> and is he from Salzburg? Yeah, he's from a small town um, about a half hour away from Salzburg. Man, not to seem dramatic, but it does kind of seem like fate <laughs> that you guys right, met. Yeah, I just said this is a fun story and just a crazy coincidence. Yeah. So. so do you guys speak English or German together? So that's actually a really interesting question right now. Um, we have been speaking German together the last eight years. So all of our relationships, except maybe a couple weeks at the beginning, we maybe switched back and forth then. But since... About 2011, we've been speaking German with each other. And just this week, my husband asked if we could to English because even though his English is great, he wants to really be able to, you know, internalize it and speak more without thinking and use, you know, more 
phrases and things like that. Hmm. And so just this week we started switching to English and it is very strange you know, when you have your whole relationship in one language and all of a sudden you switch. It's definitely, it's about day four and it's, we're still, we're still being very awkward with each other. <laughs> I guess it's one way to keep the relationship fresh. You can just switch it languages. Is, yeah, but it definitely takes some getting used to. Yeah. I'm actually impressed because um, I know so many people who when they're in these um, intercultural relationships, they stick to the language they met in just because it is so weird, which I think, I don't know if you can really fully know how weird it feels if you aren't at least bilingual, because I feel like it sounds like not that big of a deal, but, but realistically, like you are, both individuals are slightly different people in whichever language they're speaking. And so to switch, it's like sort of a, a little revealing, a little intimate in a, in a way, and also just awkward. <laughs> It is. And it's really nice to talk to you. And you you can tell that you understand that because, you know, I was telling my friends about it and they're like, well, you speak English with everyone else all day. Why is it weird to speak English with your husband? And it's just because, you know, our relationship started in German. All of our inside jokes are in German. All of our little catchphrases and loving things we say to each other were in German. And, And like you said, personalities are also a bit different. Like, you know, my husband is much more himself in German, his native language, than he is in English. So kind of feeling like he's a slightly different person in English and almost not feeling as close to him right now because he's not fully being himself has been very kind of just interesting. But we are only on day four, so I'm sure it will keep getting easier and a little bit less awkward as we go on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One of the things I wanted to talk about or ask you was like, when do you notice that you're from different places or different cultures? And I think the language is a a big one, but it, but it sounds like you guys kind of had your own, like that was sort of already set. So so what other ways does that come out then besides the language? Uh, definitely a lot of ways. Um, one of the funny ones is that my husband doesn't know any Disney movies whatsoever, <laughs> you know, and, you know, sometimes I'll just make references to, oh, that's just like, you know, the beast from the beast or something like that. And he'll have no idea what I'm talking about. It's like little cultural references like that are definitely noticeable. And that's when I kind of notice that I'm not with somebody who grew up in the same culture as me. Other things just like around the house, like he'll like to keep all of the doors closed all the time, like the (laughs) bathroom door that, you know, that's something they do in Austria and probably in Germany as well. Mm -hmm. Are they obsessed with lifting in Austria too? Oh my gosh. Yes. The lifting, the the lifting is opening the windows to make sure that the fresh air comes through. And that's definitely something that took a lot for me to get used to. But (laughs) to be honest, I tried to rebel against it so much at the beginning and said, no, I don't, it's too cold. And now I actually like it. They converted me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just had a friend the other day say that she heard about another couple who were friends with, they're both American and they were doing this thing where they just pull from a list of like the top hundred movies and pull a random one out and watch it together and, and how fun that's been. And she was like, yeah, I just, I don't feel like I could do that with my German husband because it's so cross-referential a lot of the really good movies and she just have to be explaining a lot of things. So that was actually a moment of frustration for her. Um, even if it's just pop culture things, it's like, well, that's kind of an activity that she feels is not on the table due to the fact that they are from different cultures. So do you have any like those where it's like almost like a frustrating or I don't want to say a negative, but you know, less of a perk and more of a challenge? (laughs) I mean, we definitely have our challenges. I don't know if it's exactly like that, but our biggest challenge is that the German culture is so direct and 
I'm from the Midwest and, you know, we're very known for being very friendly and nice and kind. And aside from that, I'm a very emotional and sensitive person anyway. And so that's probably our biggest challenge is since we had been speaking in German the last eight years, the German language has so many phrases that, you know, parents would say to their children and they're not bad phrases, but to an American's ears, they sound so direct and almost mean. Mm -hmm. And that's probably been the biggest cultural issue for us is my husband feeling like he can't use the phrases that he's grown up using because I would think they were mean and offensive. Whereas for him, they're just normal phrases. But that's what my husband was actually saying. Now that we're speaking English, that's going to be something we won't have to worry about as much because while those are phrases that he would say in German, because they are part of the culture, he wouldn't say those phrases in English because English doesn't have those type of phrases. So we're curious to see if that's going to be, you know, kind of make that part of the cultural relationship a little bit easier for both of us. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to see how it develops. Like after you know, maybe six months or so, once you've gotten over the hump of feeling like weird about it and you're really like sinking into it, like what, what effects does it have on your mm-hmm. communication styles? Oh, yeah, I'm excited. Okay, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what do you guys do when these moments happen where you are suddenly made aware of the fact that you guys are from very different places? We've learned that just communication is so important and we just have to really kind of tell each other that this is a moment that for me, this is normal or for him, this is normal and kind of talk about why something is hard for us rather than just, you know, sit there and start getting annoyed or start, you know, quietly stewing about something. We've we've really learned just how important it is to keep communicating with each other and kind of explain to each other why some things are harder than others. That's such a good point. That that reminds me of, so I was in a long distance relationship for two years and I think a similar thing happened where you you couldn't really get away with being quietly angry because you don't see each other. So you had to say things really clearly and upfront, like, hey, that made me feel this way or whatever. And it was in the end actually really good practice to learn to voice those things and to learn to just address them when they're happening. And it sounds like you guys experienced a similar thing with these like cultural moments. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine in a long distance relationship that that's definitely needed. And, you know, I'm not, we're definitely working, constantly working on things too. We still have our struggles and our ups and downs, but it's a learning process. And I think these intercultural relationships, you have a lot of positive and fun things that you don't get to have in other relationships, but they definitely have their challenges as well. What are some of the fun things? Like I imagine it would be really fun to teach someone. Oh, actually this just happened. I just, we're recording this episode around Halloween time and I just went to a pumpkin carving party the other night with a bunch of friends who are by and large in intercultural relationships. And so for some of their partners, this was their first time carving a pumpkin. For others, they'd done it once or twice, but of course it's still like this new thing thing that they're learning through their partner and that was so fun to to be a part of and to to watch and and participate in showing these people a piece of where we because this is from a group of girlfriends I have that were actually that night I think we were all American girls in fact yeah and so um, us getting to show that was was really cool so what are some moments like that where you get to show your culture yeah we actually had the same thing last year we got to go to a pumpkin carving party so it was like you said just really fun to get to share that for the first time I remember teaching him about s'mores, so the, you know, graham cracker, chocolate, marshmallow, and teaching him that, you know, most (laughs) Americans love s'mores, and he got to try it. He didn't like it too much. I think it's a little too sweet for the Austrian (laughs) taste buds, but but it was so fun, you know, to kind of show him that, and Thanksgiving, so I was over in Austria, like I said, for four years, and 
obviously I didn't fly home for Thanksgiving since I was flying home for Christmas a couple weeks later. So my Austrian now mother-in-law actually got a turkey from one of their neighbors. <laughs> so I've never done that in America, but she got a real turkey from a turkey farm wow. and prepared a whole Thanksgiving dinner for me and then for my now husband. And we invited some of their friends and really got to celebrate an American Thanksgiving with a dash of Austria on the side. So it's something we did um, every year while I was over there. And it was just so nice of her to do that for me and exciting for me to share that part of American culture with all of them too. I love when people show that level of interest where they're like, hey, I know this is a thing in your country. And so I'm going to step up and try to help make it happen here. I think that's just the sweetest thing. It was so sweet. And now she, every Thanksgiving when we're over here, she always says, oh, I miss, I miss celebrating Thanksgiving with you guys. And so I hope someday, you know, I I do really enjoy being home for Thanksgiving just because I missed it for so many years, but she made it just as special as she could have for us over there. And hopefully we'll all get to celebrate it again together sometime. So back then you, you were living in, in his country. What about the other way around now that you guys are in the U.S.? What are some things well first off I guess okay I got two questions one is what are the things that now that you're living there that it's important for him to to continue to share with you and then also like when you first went over to Austria to Salzburg area um what were some of the things that he was like oh I really have to make sure that you see this place or learn this tradition or partake in this I don't know lifting (laughs) (laughs) it is definitely important (laughs) (laughs) let me teach you about house shoes (laughs) exactly yeah house shoes for sure i was i was actually going to say that that we still at home still wear the house shoes in our own apartment and definitely take off our shoes when we walk in the door that's a very big thing over in austria even in a stranger's house, you would always take off your shoes when you go in the door. For me, that took some getting used to of going to other people's houses and being expected to take my shoes off. And I often got caught with two different colored socks or socks with holes in them. So I learned, I learned very quickly to pay attention to my socks I was wearing as we were going out. It really just throw um, off your outfits. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like a lot of people really think about their shoes with their outfits. So I'm not a very fashion oriented person but I did try to at least you know have nice shoes and that was that was something that was different all the just all the different holidays and festivals Munich has the big Oktoberfest but in Salzburg there's lots of different smaller festivals that are like smaller Oktoberfest and he really wanted to show me all of those different things there's one holiday in Salzburg in September called Rupertikirtag and it's like St. Rupert's Day and it's just a nice little festival with a beer tent in the city and learning all the all the songs that you sing. Related to that, the bride stealing. Have you done did they do that in Freiburg? Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it happen or like I definitely haven't partaken, but I've I've heard word, I've heard rumors that this is a thing and I actually <laughs> think it's amazing and I really want to see it happen. <laughs> Right. So for any of your listeners who don't know, it's it's different in different villages, but at the Austrian weddings that I was at, it's an Austrian, possibly German as well, I'm not sure, but at least Austrian wedding tradition where um, once the dancing starts at a wedding, somebody will be dancing with the bride and another person will be dancing with the groom and the person dancing with the bride will sneakily dance her right out of the room and the rest of the wedding guests will follow and go to a different location, which is usually a nearby building. 
and the groom will have to stay behind <laughs> by himself or maybe with one other person. And everyone else in this new location gets a glass of wine. And it's the groomsmen's job to make sure that everyone's wine is filled to the brim at all times. So basically, as soon as you're taking a sip, they're coming back and pouring more wine in your glass. And they're singing all the traditional Austrian songs and dancing. And eventually, after a couple hours of singing and dancing and drinking wine, the groom comes back and has to win back his bride. And that can be by uh, maybe reciting poetry, singing a song, performing certain tasks. And once he wins back the bride, everyone goes back to the first location. And I can tell you the wedding is a lot different after everyone has been drinking all that wine <laughs> as it was before the bride's dealing. I think I heard of this as like almost a bachelor party event where it would happen before the wedding. Oh, yeah. So like I said, it's different. It's different in different places. So it could be there could be a version of it like that, too. <laughs> That's so funny to be like at your wedding and literally get stolen. Did you do this? Did you get married in Austria and then get stolen? So we did get married in Austria, but we did just the Standesamt wedding. So the civil ceremony in Austria. And we did the big church white wedding in America. And I was very nervous that the Austrians who came to the America wedding were going to try to steal me. Because in America, you only have your wedding reception for, you know, maybe till 11 o'clock at night. It's not open-ended like it is in Austria. So I was like, <laughs> if they try to steal me, then I'm going to miss my whole wedding reception. So <laughs> I, told, I told my husband, I was like, do not let your friends steal me. <laughs> That's such a good point, actually. I, I always forget this about the weddings in the U.S. versus they go all night here at the wedding. Right. Um, in the it's U.S., exhausting. you get to book your venue typically for like five hours, I believe is the rule of thumb. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And you have to, a lot of people get married at the, like they do their ceremony at the same place. And so by the time that's done, cocktail hours done, photos are done, you have like maybe two hours of dancing and then you get kicked out. And I've literally been at weddings where they're stacking chairs and shooing people off the dance floor at 11 p.m. Um, right. That would not happen in, in Europe. No, maybe if it went on till the next night, but um, right, typically exactly. the wedding, I mean, no one's leaving before like two or three. <laughs> right, for sure. So you really have to, you have to be, pace yourself and, you know, be healthy and ready to go for yeah. uh, for an Austrian or German wedding. <laughs> what are some of the top lessons that you've learned about being in an intercultural relationship? Right. Uh, there's been so much. I think it just really opens your eyes, you know, like you kind of grow up thinking like, this is how things are done. This is, this is normal. And being in an intercultural relationship just kind of shows you like what you think is normal might not necessarily be what, what other people think is normal. And of course that's true for any relationship, intercultural or not. Like everybody grows up in different families and different backgrounds, but it's so much more pronounced when you grow up in entirely different cultures. So I've learned and I'm still working on it, but just learning to be open and to like kind of expand your view and think, you know, just because I think something is right or I think something is should be done this way doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned and is still learning right now. Yeah, and I think that stuff can totally sneak up on you. Like, I know I've had situations in my intercultural relationship. And so I um, am in a relationship with someone who's half German, half American, and he speaks perfect English. He has a certain level of knowledge about America. So a lot of times this kind of thing wouldn't come up, but it's exactly what you're saying, where then I... 
I, I would start to think like, this isn't even a question. Obviously, this is the way to do things. And then all of a sudden it sneaks up on you. And then you're in this like nasty situation where you're like, how could you possibly do this? Like, oh, wait, because it's not a given that it's done this way. It's because there's multiple ways to do a thing and they're not necessarily right or wrong. Right, for sure. And I think like it's so important to spend time in each other's countries because like I was mentioning before with kind of how the German language is more direct, before going back to Austria um, a couple years ago, I was thinking it was just my husband who was talking so directly to me. And I was trying to say like, please, like, you know, like that's, that's very direct. Like, don't, you know, you could say it in a nicer way or something. And just to be clear, my husband is a very nice, kind person. It's the German language that, you know, does, you know, has these phrases. But before going back to Austria, like a couple weeks after having this discussion, I was, like I said, I was thinking it was my husband's personality. And then we went to Salzburg and we were walking along one of the streets and I heard a mom saying to her four-year-old that exact same phrase that my husband had been saying to me. And I go, oh, so it's not just him. This is like a cultural thing. And just kind of having that opportunity to see that phrase or that, you know, that directness being used by other people was even if my husband had told me like, this is how we talk, this is German, like, you know, this is normal. Like it was so different seeing it with my own eyes, like other people doing it rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, just hearing him say it. So spending time in the other person's culture, I think it's so helpful too. I really, I can't agree more. I remember for me, I said this relationship started long distance. And at this time, I'd never been to Germany before and hadn't really met that many Germans. And I remember feeling like one of the things that made me feel so special was the way he looked at me. Like it was just so intense and very focused. And then I remember when I came to Germany and I was like, actually, that's kind of just the German stare. Like they all just (laughs) stare at each other like this all the time. I mean, granted, oh, so absolutely, he was doing so. For so... you, it was kind of in reverse. Yeah, <laughs> you thought gonna... something was good, and then you found out it was everywhere. Yep, I was like, oh, oh okay, I'm not that special. No, oh, I mean, of funny. course, of course, he did have a certain, uh, you know, some hearts in his eyes when he was looking at me. Of course, it was a little bit different, but um, I'm sure. Yeah. But the general eye contact culture was just so different that I was like, oh. All right. Like also this That's this so random funny. person on the train. Is, is... But it does because it kind of helps you like put everything in perspective and see, you know, what is that specific person's personality and what does come from the culture itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I do, I do know some people who are in intercultural relationships where they've never learned that person's mother tongue or really spent much time other than a quick trip here or there. And I get like, I mean, everyone gets to decide their own path in relationships. But I, I really would agree with you. Like, I think having had the experience of really investing myself into this person's like language and culture it really gave me such a deeper understanding and and a better instinct like yeah you you kind of need to learn the rules of this other place to learn how they're complying and at other times not complying with with those like like you were saying with your husband being so direct like maybe sometimes even for the germans it would cross the line but you you wouldn't really have that that same understanding of where that range is you know maybe sometimes he's being a little bit more direct and and more of a um, sort of provocative way and and then other times it's just direct because it's just direct and to get a feel for that is I think really helpful yeah definitely and and it is like also our differences and the fact that maybe I'm more indirect and more never hurt anybody's feelings type thing and he's the German culture is more direct like it's helped me so much I mean it's I think it's been such a great balance for both of us like I have my own business and learning 
learning that I don't always need to be this, you know, polite little Midwestern girl, you know, <laughs> never trying to hurt anyone's feelings, like learning that I can be more confident and say what I think that's been so being together with him in that way has really helped me to develop my personality as well. So there's definitely, you know, pros and cons to the different things. And that's a personality thing, not necessarily a culture thing, but I think it, you know, stems from the culture. So it's nice when you can kind of, when your two cultures can balance each other out too. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love that because it's so true. I mean, I experienced that just from, you know, living in a different country, but it, you're right. Like it's not only the location, it's, it's also the person. You can learn so much through how they handle situations. And I think maybe it's also to some extent a female thing to be a little like polite Definitely, and, and non-confrontational, sure. right? And so that's for me been such a liberating thing to, to learn that it's okay to not be accommodating sometimes. It's okay to right, definitely. have demands to be direct. And it's just another way to approach things. And um, it's really kind of amazing what happens when you start to put on this persona. So I think that's a beautiful example of really mixed mixing your, your two cultures, like the, taking the best out of both worlds and turning it into one. Are there other ways that you guys do that where, I don't know, like holidays are such an easy example, like Christmas is so different in both countries. Do you stick to one or the other or do you blend it? How do you guys approach all that? So Austria is a Catholic country. So like, you know, Christmas and Easter are definitely celebrated over there as well. I love Christmas and it would be really hard for me to be separated from my family at Christmas. So Christmas we celebrated only in St. Louis where I'm from. Also because in Austria, Christmas is celebrated more on December 24th on Christmas Eve. And at least in my husband's family, it's celebrated a lot more quietly, like a little bit of a smaller group. He has a smaller family. Whereas in my family, my mom is one of 10 children. I have 27 <laughs> first cousins. So Christmas is just a huge, big event. And so he always says he doesn't really mind missing Christmas too much at home just because it is, you know, more just a dinner and a small celebration versus our big, giant, <laughs> 60 people <laughs> American celebration. So um, I think it's hard for his mom. You know, he does. he's an only child. So, of course, she misses him on Christmas. I, I, I don't think I can keep him away from Austria on Christmas forever. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's something that we're going to have to work out in the future, because especially with him being an only child, you know, we need to share the holidays and figure out the, you know, when we're going to celebrate what. But we're still in the figuring that out process. Oh, man, I had the exact same experience, actually. Yeah, my extended family that we celebrate Christmas with is hovering around 40 these days and um, wow. yeah and last Christmas I celebrated with my boyfriend and his dad in a house in the mountains where there's not even really much of a town <laughs> and it was just so jarring for me and I had a podcast guest on Nick a while back who I think put it just so perfectly like in the German-speaking world they really take the holy night aspect pretty seriously mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's all Definitely. about like the silent night holy night kind of peaceful vibe very like serious whereas you know for him he's he's English and he said it's really a, a pub thing and and for us like we're saying from big families it's definitely a more hectic affair than sitting around and just having a good meal <laughs> right yeah so it's, and that's hard to give up you know that is what you're used to and especially Christmas is you know a very special holiday for a lot of people so like that would be a hard thing for me to give up and his mom has been very understanding and hasn't asked us to give it up. But, you know, you do feel guilty keeping the son away from home and things like that. And that's a that's another actually big part of a cultural relationship is you're always going to have one set of parents or family who 
is sad because they're missing their son or daughters. Yeah, and I think it's so good to bring up because I, I, I find that too. And especially as someone who is wants to do what's right for the team and real um, people pleasing in, in so many ways. Right. It's hard to live with that knowledge that like you have to be disappointing to someone you love basically at all times in this situation yeah I just I don't know if there's any good way to cope with it um I mean it maybe it just kind of is what it is but I think that's also a part of things that we could all do to talk about more managing these family relationships and and you know if you also want to build your own family then one day like that also comes with a certain burden of like well, okay, now there's grandparents involved, like who gets the grandkids for Christmas? And I mean, this stuff's heavy. It, it, it's really tough and it needs to be to be brought up. Definitely. I mean, I think about that a lot. We don't have kids yet, but I do think about when the time comes. That's even harder because of course the grandparents are going to want to, you know, spend time with their grandchildren. And it's different if you're seeing them every day versus once or twice a year. And that's the different relationship you're going to have with them. So how to manage that you know I don't know how that's gonna work but there's definitely people who do it so right (laughs) we'll find out when the time comes yeah that's what I always kind of tell myself too it's like it seems so impossible but also I know especially through doing this podcast and being active online I know so many people that they do make it work and the kids the kids come out okay too even if they grow up you know with two cultures instead of one structure So there's got to be a way and maybe that's uh, if anyone's listening to this and is an expert or has personal experience with um, how to sort of manage all of these elements, we can definitely talk and do an episode about that because I think it's, as said, it's just one of the heavier parts of the situation. You know, it's not all just getting to travel the world together and building these fun new traditions. Like it is also a lot of tough choices. It definitely is. And we were actually in Austria over the summer um, since we do, like, like I said, get to work from anywhere. We were lucky enough to spend two months working from Salzburg this summer. And my husband, three of his grandparents are still alive. But when we were leaving them, two out of the three both said, well, this could be the last time we ever see you. And that was just so depressing and so sad. And they're both, you know, healthy. So hopefully... But like I said, <laughs> it's that, that German language directness, like they would say things like that. And, yeah. you know, it just makes you sad to think about. And it's hard, you know, it's hard leaving the continent when you could be, you know, the last time you see your grandparents. Well, not to leave it on a, a downer note, but I actually do kind of think it's appropriate to leave it there in a way. Like, I think I do want to leave that with a, a thought that we can all sort of mull over and, and work through <laughs> together somehow. But it is time to transition us to the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. So this is a rapid fire <laughs> question like round. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you three questions that you are going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Okay. What is your favorite dish at Thanksgiving? Mashed potatoes. What is the best day trip to do from Salzburg? Monze. It's a cute little um, town where the, have you seen the movie, The Sound of Music? That's where oh, the church is, where they get, uh, she got married in, in the movie. And it's just a beautiful town with a lake and the Alps and cute little downtown center areas. And that's going to be a perfect transition to our third question, which is, I mean, you did live in Salzburg, which as we all know, is the world capital of Sound of Music. What's your favorite Sound of Music song? <laughs> I like 16 going on 17. I have been caught singing that to myself from time to time. 
<laughs> I take it you visited the, what is it, that gazebo in that one park that you can... Of course, yeah. I've done that. They have a Sound of Music tour in Salzburg. I think I've done it about four times. And <laughs> I've been to all the all the landmarks you can. And just my family makes fun of me because I am such a big Sound of Music fan. So, oh, that's perfect, yes, I've definitely taken advantage of all the Salzburg landmarks. <laughs> Thank you for coming on and, and having this conversation with us. And I think it fits perfectly that you are the guest to talk about intercultural relationships because as you mentioned at the beginning you do have a blog where you talk about this stuff so do you want to tell people where they can find you to keep on having these great talks sure yeah you can find our blog at www.culturepeace.com like one culture per person and we have a newsletter where we send out different stories and articles and things like that about intercultural topics and interviews. And you can sign up for that on our website. And we're also on Instagram and Twitter at A Culture of Peace and Facebook as well. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Katie, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Thank you one last time to Katie for coming onto the podcast. It seriously was so much fun to talk and really did feel like chatting with an old friend, although we've never talked or met before this. So thanks for a great time. Thanks for a great episode. As promised, Katie's social media and blog are listed in the show notes. You can find us on social media as well at The Expatcast on Instagram and on Twitter or email us at theexpatcast at gmail.com. While you're on your phones, please take a second and rate and review this podcast. I really can't emphasize enough how much it helps the podcast grow. And it also really, really means a lot to me to receive that feedback. So help a lady out. (laughs) Thank you goes as always to Amy Lungy Art for the logo and to Sidehug for the theme music. They are on Instagram too, at a hug from the side. Next week, we're going to be back in your feeds with an episode about loneliness. Sounds depressing, and it might be, but hey, it's important to talk about this stuff, so we're going to do it. (laughs) Until then, have a wonderful week. Cheers.